Well, Happy New Year, everybody. How many of you uh, made New Year's resolutions this year? Not too many. Wow. Maybe uh, uh, people... I don't know, getting discouraged with their resolutions have kept them from making them, but I don't know about you, but one week into it, I know that a lot of people have already kind of tanked on their resolutions, but listen, I don't know what 2017 held for you, uh, whether you're happy to see it go because it was awful, or if it was a great year and you're hoping that 2018 will bring more of what you experienced last year, I believe that 2018, God wants to do a new thing in you this year and that 2018 can be the best year of your life. But I'm so glad that all of you decided to join us on this very first Sunday of 2018. If you're new with us, just let me say welcome again. My name is Pete. I serve as the lead pastor here, and we're excited that you've taken some time out of your schedule to to be here with us and worship God and start your year off right. But uh, 2017 for me was a very momentous year. Uh, You know, next to my wedding date and the birth of my two children, June 4th, 2017 will probably go down as one of the biggest dates of my entire life. The date where I stepped into the good works that God had planned in advance for me to do when he formed me in my mother's womb. The day that I stepped into and accepted the mantle to become the lead pastor of this incredible church. It's been an incredible year, um, but I don't, you know... When it comes to New Year's resolutions and stuff, you know, I I did something a little bit different this year. Um, Like many of you, by the lack of hands that I saw, I kind of gave up making New Year's resolutions. Uh, And last year, I did something with our small group that I had heard a message a couple years ago that a pastor had done called My One Word. He, He wrote a book out of it. It's a small group study. And uh, I kind of ditched the, the list of resolutions that I never wind up following through on and instead chose to focus in on one word for the entire year that most identified the type of person I wanted to be or the, the character trait that I wanted to produce and develop in my life. And last year, that word was confidence. And little did I know how much, when I picked that word in January, how much I was going to need that word and how much that was going to be a part of everything that I would do as I stepped into the lead pastor role here. Uh, Because as much as it's been awesome and exciting and fun to, you know, to step into what I was created for and what God called me to do, it's also been incredibly challenging and very difficult. And my confidence, you know, in the last half of this year has been rocked. You know, there have been many times where I've asked myself the question, do I really have what it takes? I don't really know what I'm doing here. And I don't know if they realize that. Um, And so I don't know if you've ever felt like that. But man, to be honest with you and to be really transparent and vulnerable with you this morning, you know, the last five months or so of this year, I really struggled a lot, especially um, emotionally, just battling depression in a way that I never have in my entire life. I've always kind of had, you know, seasons where I kind of get the blues and it lasts for a week or two, but I always climb myself out of it. But this has been five months of really struggling to, to be happy and you know, praying, and, and, and in fact, I finally just reached the point where I said, you know what, I'm going to go get counseling. So I've been in counseling for the last month or so. I've gone to four sessions now. I've always been a proponent of that. I've encouraged other people to do it, um, and I'm finally making the decision to, to get counseling for myself. And so I don't know what, what you, last year looked like for you, but, you know, I think sometimes for me anyway, we've got to be stripped of the things that 
you know, we rely on so that God can trust us to work through us so that we're not going to take credit for the things that happen. And that's what the last six months of my life has been like. God has been kind of breaking me down and rebuilding me so that my trust and my hope is in him. My verse that went along with my one word is Philippians 1.6, which says that I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. And that word confidence means having full trust. I have full trust that I can't change myself, but he who started the work in me will complete it. I don't, the burden of the outcome doesn't rest with me, it rests on him. I just do what he's called me to do. I'm faithful to be obedient and let, leave the rest up to God. And so I hope that's an encouraging word for you this morning. But you know what, it's a new year. I'm not looking back, I'm looking ahead, and I'm excited about the things that God has planned for me, and I'm excited about the things that God has planned for us as a church. And my one word for this new year is focus. I am focused on being more like Jesus this year, spending more time with him, and becoming the person that he wants me to be so I can strive towards the things that you know he's created me to do. I'm focused on being a better husband and father to my family. I'm focused on sharpening my leadership to be the pastor and leader that God has called me to be and that this church needs me to be so that together we can all pursue our 2020 vision that God's given us so that we can see more lives changed with the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm focused on getting back to some healthy habits in my life. How many of you renewed your gym memberships for 2018? I did a week ago on December 31st. My... I get this, uh, this card with uh, independent health that gives you $250 in flex rewards that you can use towards different things like gym memberships, and it expires at the end of the year. And so I made sure that on December 31st, I renewed it. And I went to the gym yesterday for the first time in six months. And I thought I was going to die. I thought my heart was going to come out of my chest, and I am sore today. I am sore. But I'm focused in every area of my life. And I know that many of you have made similar declarations, even if you don't make resolutions. At the end of the year, we kind of reflect on the past, and we think about the type of, you know, habits that we want to develop or the, you know, the disciplines that we want to build into our lives. You know, I made a list of some of the most popular good intentions or, or declarations that people make at the beginning of a new year. I'm just going to list some of these off. Some of you want to eat better and lose weight, exercise more, quit smoking, Spend more time with family, to be a better husband, wife, father, or mother, to get out of debt, maybe to go to church more often. Maybe you want to give more of your time or your money. Some of you maybe want to start school this year, or maybe you want to finish school. Maybe you've been like a lifelong student, and this is the year you finally apply yourself to finishing. Maybe some of you want to change careers or look for a new job, begin saving for retirement, Maybe some of you are workaholics, and your intention this year is actually to work less. Um, maybe you want to pray more, or even start praying at all. Start reading your Bible. Maybe some of you, you know, will make an intention or a declaration that you're going to join a small group and, and do life with other people this year. I mean, the list could go on and on and on of the good intentions that people have at the start of a new year. The problem, though, as we've discovered, is that good intentions rarely become a reality in our lives. How many of you have ever heard the saying, the road to hell is paved with 
good intentions. The list I just read to you are all good intentions, but our good intentions can be the very asphalt that we use to pave our path towards hell if they don't turn into obedient actions. You know, the worst deception that we can believe is the one that we tell ourselves, and I think sometimes we've got to stop lying to ourselves. You can have good intentions, but still live a destructive life. Good intentions are meaningless if they don't turn into obedient actions. And the goal of this whole series, the bottom line, is that with God's help, we want to turn our good intentions into obedient actions. We want to turn our good intentions, all the things that we want to do, all the the better person we want to be, our intentions to make all of these changes, we want to turn those from just an intent to an obedient action. And so if you're tired of living with good intentions but never seeing real change, if you're tired of circling the same mountain in your life year after year after year but never making any real progress, then the things that we're going to talk about in this series can change all of that. I believe that this series can be a game changer for you. So I want to challenge everyone here today to commit to coming to every single week of this series. Because I believe that if you'll come, and not just come to put in your time, but come with the mindset that you're going to apply the things that we talk about and that you hear, I believe it can bring lasting change in your life. Or I believe it can turn into just another good intention. Because even coming to church can be a good intention. Right? I mean, how many times do we come to church and, and we hear a message that challenges us to live better, to forgive someone, or to, I don't know, manage our anger better, or uh, something like that, and that inspiration to make a change in our life, the moment we walk out the door just seems to vanish, and nothing ever really changes in life. So it's up to you. If you'll come and you'll apply what we talk about and what we learn in this series I believe those good intentions can become obedient actions and that this can be your best year yet. Or it can be just another series. It's totally up to you. Because here's a principle that I know to be true and that I am learning in my own life. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. You can mark that down, take it to the bank. Your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. If your thoughts are full of faith, full of God's truth, you are living in victory and becoming more like Jesus every day. But if your thoughts are negative, toxic, polluted, I promise you, you're not living in victory. You're always going to struggle in your actions because your thoughts are not God's thoughts. Our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And this has been true in my own life, even as I've been discovering in the last year. Even though my one word this year was confidence, the one word I probably used more than any other in the past year was the word overwhelmed. Every time someone came up to me and asked me how I was doing, how things were going at the church, how's the transition going, how's it, what's it like being lead pastor, I'm like, hey, it's great, the church is growing, people are getting saved, but man, I am overwhelmed. I am out of my depth, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm overwhelmed. And the more I said that to people in response to those questions, the more I felt overwhelmed. And I realized that my confession became my reality. It was like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Why do we do that? Most people I know don't want to be negative. 
They don't want to focus on all the negative thoughts, and yet so many of us do that. Why? Why do we struggle to move past just good intentions? Because whether we realize it or not, there is a war going on in our minds. We have good intentions, but we also have an evil enemy. Your spiritual adversary doesn't need you to come to the dark side to win. All he needs to do is to convince you to stick with just your good intention, but never let them turn into obedient actions by influencing the way you think. So we're going to discover together why we don't do what we intend. We're going to try to figure out through this series, starting today, why it is such a battle to do the things that we want to do, but we never really end up doing. You know, one of the things I love about the Bible is that it's not just history books that that tells us what happened, you know, thousands of years ago. But it's still practical and relevant to our lives today to help us overcome the struggles and challenges that we face even today. You know, and the truth is this, this battle that we have with our good intentions isn't something new. We all face this, and mankind has been fighting this battle ever since Eve took that bite of the forbidden fruit. It's always been a battle. You know, there was a guy in the first century, too, named Paul, who had a battle with good intentions. He lived at the same time that Jesus was alive, and he had good intentions that he thought were for God when he was putting Christians, followers of Jesus, in jail. He thought he was doing it for God until one day he met the risen Christ, and it changed his life. And all of a sudden, he starts traveling all over the place, planting churches over the Mediterranean Rim and throughout Asia. And God used this guy maybe more than anyone else in history except for Jesus, to change history. And yet even Paul had this battle within himself as he struggled with his good intentions. I want to read to you a couple of verses from a letter that he wrote to some Christians in Rome where he details this. In Romans chapter 7, verse 21, he said this, I've discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what's right, I inevitably do what's wrong. How many of you ever feel like that? I love God's law with all my heart, he said, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Paul says, I have so many good intentions. I want to do what's right, but I always wind up doing what's wrong. I don't know if you can identify with that, but I sure can. You know, I want to eat better but I wind up pounding a half gallon of ice cream at 10 o'clock at night. (laughs) I want to spend more time with God in the morning, but I hit snooze four times. I don't know if you've ever been there before, but you know, Paul recognizes something that I think we would all do well to recognize, which is that the reason we don't do what we want to do is because there is a battle within each of us. It's almost like there's something working against us to keep us from doing the things that we know we should. Paul calls this our sinful nature. We all have a bent towards sin. Every parent knows this to be true the moment that they have children. All right, we don't have to teach our kids to backtalk, do you? It just comes natural. We don't have to teach them to lie or to disobey. It just comes to them because we're all born with a sinful nature. And Paul shows us that this is where our good intentions wind up dying, on the battlefield of the mind. 
Our good intentions really, to use another word, are just good thoughts. We intend, we think we want to do something, right? And whether you say them out loud or just think them to yourself, every good intention begins in your mind. And whether you realize it or not, your mind is a spiritual battlefield. There is a war going on in your mind for your thoughts every minute of every day. And I believe that the primary way our enemy, Satan, attacks us is in the battlefield of the mind with our thoughts. Why? Because he knows that our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And if he can influence our thoughts and keep our good intentions from becoming obedient actions, he's got us right where he wants us. So how do we fight this battle that's taking place in our minds? You know, in the very next chapter, Paul goes on to say some things that gives us a key that begins to unlock the door to help us understand how we move past this battle, how we start to get victory in it. He says in Romans chapter 8, verse 5, those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your minds leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Our lives are moving in the direction of our strongest thoughts. If your strongest thoughts you know, are coming from your sinful nature, your life is going to move towards sinful things. You're going to have sinful thoughts. You're going to have sinful desires. But if you allow the Holy Spirit to control your mind, your thoughts will lead you to a life of peace and things that please the Spirit. You know, your inner dialogue matters so much. How many of you would admit that you talk to yourself? Anybody talk to yourself? Good, I'm not alone. I talk to myself all the time. A lot of times my wife will like answer me from the other room or say, who are you talking to? I'm like, oh, just, just myself. And you know, and sometimes the dialogue that I have with myself is pleasing to God. But other times it's not, and it's very destructive and, and negative and critical. So I want to ask you a question today. Is the inner dialogue of your mind and in your life dominated by the sinful nature? by negative thinking, by critical thinking? Or would you say that your mind is controlled by the Spirit, consistent with God-honoring Christ-centered thoughts? Think about that. In fact, I want to just give you a couple different scenarios to kind of illustrate this for you so you can kind of see whether or not your thoughts are dominated by the sinful nature or controlled by the Spirit. In scenario number one, when you wake up, are the thoughts that begin to come to your mind as you face your day something like this? My God is with me. My life matters. I've got a great calling. I'm full of faith. My mind is full of life and peace. I've got divine energy to do everything that God has called me to do. I'm excited about this day. Today, I am going to make a difference for the glory of God. Is that the gist of the general dialogue that you have with yourself when you wake up in the morning? Or does it go something like this? Oh, alarm, snooze, it's Monday, I'm so tired. What's this kid pulling at my bed? Why do we do these kid things anyway? Gotta go to stupid work, work with stupid people. No matter what I do, I can't ever get ahead. Hate my life, 
Does that sound like what you say to yourself when you wake up? Now, obviously, I'm exaggerating a little bit, maybe on both sides, but this is true. You need to kind of ask yourself, what is the inner dialogue of your mind? So I want to make a statement, and then I want to ask a question. And I want you to really think about this. The statement is one I've already given you, okay, which is that your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. So my question that I want to ask you today is, are you excited about the direction that your thoughts are taking you? Are you excited about the direction that your thoughts are taking you? You know, I asked myself that question several weeks ago, and honestly, I answered, no, I'm not. I am not satisfied with the direction my thoughts are taking me. I don't like my inner dialogue. And I want to just kind of share with you and be honest with you this morning what I found myself saying over and over again, which was, man, why am I so depressed? Why am I always so sad? I've got too much to do. I can't get it all done. I don't know how long I can keep this up. This is just so overwhelming. And this is what I said again and again and again. And I'm not proud of it, but that was my inner dialogue. And what I have begun to recognize is that I need God to help me change my thinking. And while nothing in my life has really changed in the last few weeks, what has begun to change by adopting this new discipline that I'm going to teach you about today is the way I think. And as I'm changing the way I'm thinking, I'm even changing the way I act. So before I teach you this discipline, I want to show you something that Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Same guy that we just read about, same book, just a few chapters later. And this is a verse that has spoken to me a lot over the years, and maybe it'll speak to you in a new way in this new year. He said this, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you. Let him change you by doing what? By doing, by changing the way you think. By changing the way you think. What I love about this is that it's not me changing me. This is God changing me by renewing my mind, right? This is, this is uh, me aligning my thoughts with God's thoughts. And when I think God's thoughts, my actions, I become, he doesn't just change me into a better version of myself. He changes me into a new person. Let God change you into a new person by changing the way you think. Because listen to me, so much of life isn't what happens to you but it's what you think about what happens to you. So much of life is like that. When you think about a tragic event that can happen to two different people, same event, maybe somebody loses a spouse, and to one person it destroys them and it causes them to lose their faith, and the other person it actually causes them to grow closer to God. So much of life isn't about what happens to you, it's about how you think about what happens to you. Stress isn't about all the things that you have to do. Stress is how you think about all the things that you have to do. When you recognize that God is with you, that his power is real, that his grace sustains you, when you're weak, he carries you, and your weakness, his strength is made perfect, suddenly what used to be stress is all of a sudden now an opportunity to tap into his power. It's not about all that you have to do. It's, how, it's about how you think about the things you have to do. So how do we change the way we think? 
Paul actually gives us some great insight into this in another letter that he, he wrote to some Christians in a city called Corinth. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, Paul says this, For though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the world does. Now, Paul isn't talking about a war between real nations or countries here. He's talking about a spiritual war that takes place in the battlefield of our minds. Though we live in a physical world, we as Christ followers don't need to fight with natural means. Because how does the world fight this battle with good intentions? They just try harder next year, right? They keep making resolutions even if nothing comes of it. They'll try self-help books. We've even come up with you know, new religions to try to deal with the shortcomings that we have as human beings. And so often we fail when we use natural means to deal with supernatural forces. He goes on to say in verse 4, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. I don't need a gun or a knife. On the contrary, he says they have divine power to demolish strongholds. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. What do we fight with? We fight with prayer. Right? We fight with fasting, which again, I just want to remind those of you who were here last week, starting today, I'm asking all of the church to join me in 21 days of prayer and fasting from January 7th to the 27th. It's between you and God what you choose to fast. It can be a meal a day. It can be TV. It could be social media. Whatever you want to do, just give up something that your flesh wants to focus on something that God wants for you. I want us as a church to be focusing and praying together about what God wants to do in your life this year and in our church this year. But that's one of our weapons is fasting. We fight with the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. We fight with the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation. Your salvation is the thing that protects your mind from those negative thoughts. We fight with the shield of faith. We've got the belt of truth. We are not going to fight this battle with the things of this world because as children of God, our weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, before I go any further, what is a stronghold? You probably understand the context of it, but a stronghold, the, the Greek word that Paul uses here when he wrote this, because the New Testament was written in Greek, the Greek word is akaroma. I think is how it's pronounced, Akaroma, which is basically a heavily walled fortress. It's a prison, and a very literal translation would be a prison or a prisoner locked by deception. It's a stronghold, is a mindset or a way of thinking that keeps a person in prison deceived, believing that there's no way out. It's a prison of our minds where the walls of the prison are, are made up of a thought or a lie that isn't true. It's like being locked. It's like being held prisoner in a room and the lock isn't even locked. Did you know that you can be held captive by your thoughts? When you believe a lie that keeps you from doing what is right and when you can't turn your good intentions into obedient actions, chances are it may be because there's a stronghold in your mind. It's kind of like, as an illustration, do you ever play this game with, with kids? I do this with my boys sometimes. I remember my dad doing it with me where you're playing chase around the house and, and you run into a bedroom and you close the door behind you and you either lock it or, or stick your foot against the door and they're desperately trying to get in. They're turning the doorknob and they're banging on the door. Dad, let me in, let me in, let me in. 
and you're just kind of laughing because they can't get to where you are. And after a while, you quietly either unlock the door or take your foot away, but it's been so long that they still think it's locked that they've given up trying to turn the door handle. They just keep banging, let me in, let me in, let me in. And I'm just laughing because they don't even realize the door is open. They could get in if they just turned the handle. I know it's a little bit of a silly illustration, but I'm going to tell you right now, some of you, that's exactly where you are right now. Satan has got you so convinced that you can't, that you won't, that you never will. He's got you so convinced that you don't even have the faith to reach out, turn the door, and grab what could be yours. It's a stronghold of the evil one. You're believing a lie. But the good news is that the weapons that God has given us have divine power. They have divine power. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. How do we do this? Paul goes on to say in verse five, he says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And listen, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I love the way the New Living Translation phrases this verse. It says, we capture the rebellious thoughts and we teach them to obey Christ. I like that. You got a rebellious thought, what do you do? You capture it. I love this word picture that Paul creates of a stronghold where people are held prisoner by lies that they believe, all of a sudden taking captive and taking prisoner those thoughts that once held them captive. We take it captive and we make it obedient to Christ and that's the goal of this series, right? To turn good intentions into obedient actions. If he said it, we're gonna do it. Because if we give in to the lie, we end up losing the battle over our good intentions. So how do we do this? How do you defeat the lies of the enemy that you've become to believe in your own life? The only way you ever battle a lie is with the truth. You expose the lie to the truth. And so when we're challenged to forgive someone who's hurt us, what's the first thing that happens? The voice of the enemy just creeps in and says, you don't need to forgive them. They haven't even said they're sorry. They're never gonna own what they've done to you. You don't need to forgive them. Don't even worry about it. And what happens? You wind up becoming a prisoner to your own unforgiveness. And you wind up miserable. So how do we do this? We expose it to the truth. Ephesians 4.32 says that we are to forgive others just as God and Christ forgave us. Forgiveness isn't for them, it's for us. It sets us free. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting it to kill the other person. They may not deserve to be forgiven, but neither did you. But God forgave you in Christ Jesus and his love has been shed abroad in your hearts and you now have the power and the ability to forgive those who've hurt you. How many times do we forgive? 70 times seven, as many times as it takes. If you win the battle over your thoughts, you will win the battle for your life. If you win the battle in your mind, you're not just gonna live with only good intentions, but you're gonna have a lifestyle of obedient actions. We've got to change our thinking. We have to turn our negative thoughts into faith-filled thoughts. So how do we change our thoughts then? Have you ever thought about that? It's like, my thoughts are my thoughts. How do I know when it's the enemy, you know, planting a seed in my mind and when it's just my own thoughts? 
How do we control our thought life? When these thoughts come racing across your mind, how do we capture them and take them captive? Your thoughts originate from what you see and what you hear. And what you hear greatly affects the way you think. If you hear negativity all the time, your thoughts are gonna be consumed and dominated by negative things. If all you hear are words of hate, your thoughts are gonna be towards hateful things. If all you hear are discouraging words, you're gonna have a defeated mindset. What you hear greatly affects how you think. So how do we turn negative thoughts into faith-filled thoughts? We begin to speak the truth out loud so that what we hear is what we think and what we think is true. We're gonna declare by faith things that we believe until, like we, we declare them so that we hear them until we believe them, until we know that they're true. And this is the discipline that I've adopted this year called Words to Live By. I've only been doing it for the last week or so, but I'm gonna teach this to you today. And it's already begun to change the way I think and therefore how I act. Now I wanna give credit to Pastor Craig Groeschel of Life Church who preached a message like this a couple of years ago. And he said in that message that, you know, he tries to adopt a new discipline into his life, one new discipline every single year. Now that may not seem like a lot, but over the course of 10 years, that's 10 new disciplines in your life. And he said of all the disciplines he's ever adopted into his life, this one discipline called words to live by has impacted and affected his personal and spiritual life more than any other discipline. And I wanna share that with you today because it's changing my life. I'm beginning to add this daily practice into my life and I can tell you that just over the last few days, it's already affecting how I think and what I believe about myself. And so here's the practical application. All right, this is your homework this week. Oh, you come to church and get homework. But listen, like I said last week, information without application does not lead to transformation. All right, if you don't apply what you hear today, it's just gonna be another message that comes and goes. But if you will apply what you hear today, it will change your life. I believe that with all of my heart. So the first thing you're gonna do when you get home, you're gonna answer this question. Ask yourself, what negative thoughts are dominating my thinking? And then write it down. Every negative thought that comes to your mind about you, about your life, about your habits, about your family, write it all down. What negative thoughts dominate your thinking? And I'll give you a few that might resonate with you. Maybe you can write these down and you know use it as a springboard for later. Some people say, I'll never be successful in business. I'm not smart enough for college. Oh, he doesn't love me. My marriage is bound to fail. We don't have enough money to give and I feel guilty. I'm not a good enough parent. I always fail my children. I'm afraid to change careers. Now, how can I go back to school at this age? I'm inconsistent. I'm on again, off again with God. I'm undisciplined. I'm always going to struggle with my weight. Whatever it is, just be honest. Write it out. Whatever those thoughts and those words are that you say again and again about yourself, to yourself, write it out because your life is moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And then the next thing you're gonna do, the second step to this application, is you're going to answer this question. What spiritual truths will demolish these strongholds? What spiritual truth will demolish these unhelpful, ungodly thoughts? And write them down. Now, if you're 
new to church or if you're a newer follower of Jesus Christ, you might need some help with this. Maybe you don't know the Bible that well and you don't know what spiritual truths will demolish these strongholds in your life, which is why as a church, we always say that life is better together and we always encourage people to get plugged into and connected to a small group because you can come around you know, the table with other people that love and follow Jesus and be honest with them and say, these are the things I'm struggling with. These are the things I think and they can help show you what God's word says about the things that you struggle with and speak truth into and over your lives. And so maybe that That'll be something that you do this year, but write down the spiritual truths that will demolish these strongholds. And I I wrote down a few of them. I do not have a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. I am fully loved and worth everything to God. If he would send his son for me, I must matter to him. I was created by God for great things, which he prepared in advance for me to do. I have a purpose. I am strong and powerful. The same spirit that raised Jesus is alive inside of me. Therefore, I can do whatever he has called me to do. Those are spiritual truths that will demolish the strongholds of the negative thoughts in your mind that are keeping you prisoner, that are keeping your good intentions from becoming obedient actions. And then what I want you to do is to seek God first every day. Do you remember what Pastor Lauren told us last week? What do we do? We seek God first of the day We worship God first of the week. We bring the first of our increase through the tithe to the local church on the first of the month. And then we fast on the first of the year. When you put God first and you seek him every single day, you spend time in prayer and you read his word and you speak aloud what he says is true, that discipline will begin to change your mind, change your thinking and change your life. And so I want you to take these spiritual truths that you've written down in step two. And the last step is to begin declaring them out loud over your life every single day. The first thing you do when you wake up, maybe you go to the bathroom, brush your teeth first, but you begin to declare, you pull that out wherever you've written it down and you declare those things out loud every single day. And what's going to happen is that as you begin to declare these things by faith, even if you don't believe them to be true at first, they will eventually begin to dominate your thinking because your life is moving in the direction of your most powerful thoughts. And so maybe you're worried all the time. Your statement might go like this. Because of Christ, I'm not anxious about anything. I cast my cares on God because he cares for me. I have the peace of God dwelling in my heart and ruling my mind day in and day out. You declare that statement by faith every single day. Maybe you don't know God's will for your life. What does God want me to do? I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Maybe this will be your declaration. My life belongs to God. Daily I seek him and daily he directs my steps. I know his voice and he leads me to his perfect will. Maybe you lack confidence. And so every single day you're gonna wake up and you're gonna look yourself in the mirror and you're gonna say this, my confidence is in Christ and Christ alone and I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I have the divine power of God in me and he has given me everything I need for life and godliness. Or maybe you're inconsistent in your time with God. Maybe you'll say this, You say, I love. And listen, this might seem silly at first. Maybe you don't even believe it's true, but you say, I love the living presence of my good God. Praying is as important to me as breathing. God's word nourishes my soul. I depend on his presence every moment of every day. 
might seem silly, but if you say this over and over again, you know what happens? You're consistently speaking what is true and God is renewing your mind. He's changing the way you think and your life will begin moving in the direction of your now stronger thoughts. You've got to preach to yourself. I don't think we preach to ourselves enough. Because faith comes by hearing the word of God. That's why coming to church is so important because we hear truths that help change our negative thoughts into faith-filled thoughts. So what I want to do in closing is to kind of share with you the exercise I went through. I want to share with you my words to live by. It's a little hard for me. I'm going to be very vulnerable with you as you get a peek into the negative thoughts that have been dominating my thinking. But I want you to see that this isn't just a preacher up on the stage telling you what you should do, but this is something I'm applying to my own life. So you can see what truths that I've pulled from God's word that I declare over my life every day to begin changing those negative thoughts into faith-filled thoughts. And so you'll be able to see what my struggle is and then what the spiritual truth is that is demolishing those strongholds. So this is just a few of the thoughts that have been dominating my thinking. I struggle putting God first because there are so many urgent, urgent things that vie for my attention. I really struggle with choosing the important things over the urgent. It's an ongoing battle for me. I love Kelly and I love my kids, but I'm telling you right now, I always feel like a failure at home and a failure at church because no matter what I do, I can never seem to do enough at the church and I don't seem to be the husband and father that I want to be at home. And so I tell myself that. I say, I'm not good enough. I can't get it all done. And in my marriage, I'm not a very good communicator with Kelly. And I say, I'll never be able to engage in healthy conflict resolution with her or make her feel safe, heard, and known. I will always bottle things up, filter things that she says through the lens of failure and get defensive when she expresses her feelings. These are things I say about myself. I don't have what it takes to intentionally initiate my boys into true, authentic, biblical masculinity. I don't know how to not reinforce a performance-oriented mindset in them that stems from my insistence on their perfect behavior. I'm afraid that I'll allow the demands of ministry and my desire to grow this church to keep me from spending sufficient quality time with them. I won't be able to keep them from succumbing to the same same temptations that I fell to when I was younger. I will always see my worth and value as being based on what and how much I'm doing and accomplishing for God. I don't have what it takes to be the leader I need to be to accomplish the vision that God has put in my heart. I don't know enough leadership principles to invest in my staff and the team around me. Here's another one that I struggle with a lot. I'm not a good enough preacher. I compare myself to other preachers all the time. I don't have what it takes to mine the truths of God's word and communicate them in a clear and compelling way each and every week so that the lost are found, lives are changed, and people grow in their faith and fall more in love with Jesus. 
I say leadership is lonely. I will always battle depression and never feel like I can be fully known or trust people to not hurt or judge me. I don't have enough time to take care of myself physically, spend time with family, continually grow my own leadership, help others to grow in theirs, and prepare a sermon each and every week. That's just a small glimpse of the thoughts that I wrote down that dominate my thinking. I don't think this will be a very difficult part of the assignment for you. Most people, when they're asked to come up with, you know, what they don't like about themselves, they can rattle it off just like that. But here are the spiritual truths that I've been confessing over my life every single day for the last week that I'm using to demolish those strongholds. These are my words to live by and what God is using to change the way I think. This is what I say to myself every day now. Jesus is first in my life. I exist to serve and glorify him. I love my wife and will lay down my life to serve her. I will demonstrate my love to her just as my heavenly father did by sending his son for me. I have everything I need to be the man that she deserves and that God has called me to be. I am and will continue to be a good communicator that is patient and understanding. I'm not just raising sons. I am raising strong, gifted young men who are created to impact the world for Christ. With God's help, Kelly and I will unleash Christ-centered, biblically-anchored world changers that know who they are and whose they are. They will love God and serve Him with their whole hearts. I have what it takes to nurture, equip, train, and empower them to become mighty men of God who will do more for His kingdom than they can possibly imagine. I will be present in their lives. I will prioritize time with them, will sacrifice my life for them and serve them as the leader that God has called me to be. I have what it takes to be the husband and father that my family need to reach their fullest potential in Christ. I am the son of the King of Kings, period. That is my identity. I am disciplined. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. I am growing closer to Jesus every day, and because of that, my family is closer, my body is stronger, my faith is deeper, and my leadership is sharper. I am anointed, empowered, equipped, and called to reach people far from God. I am creative, innovative, driven, focused, and blessed beyond measure because the Holy Spirit dwells within me. I develop leaders. That's not what I do. That is who I am. My thoughts, my words, and my imaginations are under the power of Christ. I take all thoughts captive and make them obedient to Christ. I wake up with purpose, direction, and meaning every day of my life. I will bring my best and then some because it's what I bring after my best that makes the difference. I will walk by the Spirit today because God's Spirit is strong within me. The things of this world do not have a hold on me because this world is not my home. I will not compromise my purpose or my future for anything self-serving. I set my eyes, my mind, my heart, my hands, and my feet on things above so that I may glorify Him in everything I do. God has put within me everything I need to be the kind of pastor and leader my church needs. I'm a compassionate leader who lives to serve others. 
I will live my life in a manner that is worthy of the calling that God has placed on me. I am more than enough because Christ is within me. Building the church is his idea, not mine. This vision is from him, and I am confident that he who started a work in me is faithful to bring it to completion. I am anointed, empowered, equipped, and gifted to preach God's word. In my weakness, Christ's Christ's strength is made perfect. It is not my words that changes lives. It is the power of God speaking his word through me that will alter destinies and change eternities. I will live my life to glorify God in everything I do today. The world will be different and better today because I served Jesus. Day in, day out, declare it. Declare it, declare it again, 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 until I believe it, until I believe it, until you believe it, you declare that over your life every single day. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I have the mind of Christ, the same spirit that dwelled, that rose Jesus from the dead lives in me. That makes me powerful for the kingdom of God. And all of these thoughts, when they come together, I believe are going to make 2018 the most effective, the most productive, the most fulfilling, and the most God-honoring year that I've ever had in my life. And I want the same for you. That's why with every bit of excitement, enthusiasm, and passion that I have this morning, I want to invite you to join me in going before the Lord today and asking him to change us into new people by renewing our minds, by changing the way we think, not locked in a prison by a lie, but set free by the truth. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. When you declare it over and over again, you might just get to the place where you begin to believe it. Satan is the father of lies. Jesus is the author of truth. And when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. That's why these are words to live by. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, right now I just ask that you would give us all the courage to approach you with transparency, to be honest with you, to be honest with ourselves, to be honest with others about the things that we struggle with. Lord, that we would confess those things. Lord, that we would write them down. Lord, it's easy to start things at the start of a new year, but so many people don't finish. But Lord, you who started a work in us will be faithful to finish that work. God, I believe that you are speaking to people's hearts right now. And they know that what they've heard today is true. God, would you this week, by the power of your Holy Spirit, help people to craft some spiritual truths and statements that they can declare over their lives every single day so that they will begin to believe the truths that you have said about them, the things that you have done for them so that they can start changing the way they think and turn their good intentions this year into obedient actions and that our lives will begin moving towards the thoughts of life and peace 
Lord, we surrender to you today. And as we go about crafting these statements this week and making confessions, there's one confession that you can make before any of those other ones that I listed. If you're here today and you know you've done some things in your life that you feel guilty about, you've never really had a relationship with Jesus. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your hearts that God raised him from the dead, then you'll be saved. If you're ready to take that step today and invite God's spirit into your life to give you the power that you need to overcome these negative thoughts and to unlock the keys of the prison that you've been held captive by and you're ready to say yes to Jesus today, then I'm gonna simply ask you to lift your hand all across this place. Is there anybody here that wants to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Lord, I just thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Behold, I am doing a new thing, says the Lord. Do you not see it? He's making streams in the wilderness, pathways in the desert. God, I pray that you'd open our eyes, our ears, our hearts to see, hear, and and receive the new thing that you're doing in our lives this year. And God, may we as a people not be like someone who walks away from the mirror and forgets what they looked like because we didn't do what your word said. God, give us the courage, the, 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 the um, ability, God, by your spirit to follow through, to write these things out, and to declare them over our lives every single day. And all of God's people said, Amen. Church, how many of you were encouraged by God's word today?